You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to the Pixels and Ink Podcast, episode 265, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and joining us today are the Brendans, Brendan Fry. Hello, hello, hello. And Brendan Quinn. Hello. And we're missing a Phil today because Phil is out doing tiff things. Um, yeah. Just tiff things. Just tiff things. Only tiff things. Well, a pretty busy week, I guess, if you're a movie critic or yeah. that's your job, right? Tiff's kind of really important. Exactly. Um, so what are you guys looking forward to in TIFF? You guys going to go see anything? Uh, or what do you want to go see? I don't know. Um, I liked Bone Tomahawk quite a bit. Oh, it got me out of nowhere. Um, I don't know if it's at TIFF, but he's got a new movie coming out. Uh, the same guy that did Bone Tomahawk, yeah, yeah. Brawl in Cell Block 99. Um, Is that one with Vince Vaughn looking with, really Yeah, tough? with Vince Vaughn looking. And like I just watched, uh, what the hell was it, on a flight... Hacksaw Ridge and Vince Vaughn was in that and you know I've only ever thought about him as like you know Wedding Crashers Mm -hmm. old school etc and he was pretty good in that so I'd I'd be stoked to see his turn as a grizzled hardened skinhead convict beating people up in prison yeah I'm down with that also, if Bone Tomic's anything to go by, it's going to be super gory. Which, if Bone Tomic was met, is that oh, who is that? Kurt the, Russell, Kurt Russell um, yeah. and uh, his name Matthew Fox oh. from Lost. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a weird movie. Yeah, it, I love westerns, and then it just went totally off the rails at the end. Yeah, that was a really odd movie. I loved um, it though. Yeah. Other than that, oh, the Disaster Artist. I really yeah. want to see that. I think that'll be the big one to come out of this, just because. I mean, even people who aren't into cinema yeah. know what the room is now, and it's mm-hmm. gotten such a claim, you know. Yeah. And the book itself, like that, it, it's based off of is its own ridiculous story. Mm-hmm. That I, I just, I really want to like because it's like how they met and yeah. his view of Tommy Wise and how the whole thing kind of kicked off, right? It, yeah, exactly. And and uh, his the interplay between him and all of the actors that came out of his his acting school and and this this passion project and just how into this whole thing that Tommy Wiseau was into and just watching him go through that wild ride and I honestly the cast is perfect for it like it, it, it oh I love I love Franco and he's himself one of those like yeah. self-indulgent artsy weirdos yeah. so I mean I think he can really get in the fair, head of I the think character he's more he plays one and I don't think he really cares mm-hmm I think he just finds it enjoyable to be oh, there. But it doesn't even matter because he does that character so well. Yeah, just yeah. from the one, the Haymark preview oh, scene yeah. for this movie. God, it's so weird talking about a movie based on a book about a movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it looked like I was laughing already, so. Yeah, that one looks really, really good. Unfortunately, those tickets went out, sold out, like, immediately. Really? Yeah. Like I, I said, I, I think that's going to be the big one. Stuff. Impossible. Um, and then uh, there's Mother. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know too much about it other than it's a s- supposedly a horror, yeah, style horror-ish movie. Like, yeah, like, like a Rosemary's Baby, surrealist, like, lynching kind of hallucinating, kind of uncomfortable. But again, there's not a whole lot of info about the movie yeah. other than people's reactions, and yeah. I'm trying to stay blind on it. So. Yeah, and they're really divisive reactions too. Yeah, like people were booing and applauding. Weird, laughing uh, and walking out, and like calling it the greatest movie ever made. 
the next, yeah, the next uh, David Lynch or something like that. With I don't know. That's weird. Um, I don't know. So it might be interesting to see once it's done. Uh, once it's oh, and this movie too, which I forgot about. I don't know if I actually go see it in theaters, but the the idea of it, uh, Mom and Dad, with uh, Nick Cage. Where for 24 hours some kind of virus hits yeah. that makes parents want to murder their children. <laughs> I love uh, the Nick Cage. Nick Cage looks like a dad in it. Oh, he does. Like eh? it's yeah, really like a dad. I'm just excited that there's a new Nick Cage movie. So plus, plus there's like 10 a year. It, yeah, not, not, not a new one right now. Like a big theatrical Nick Cage yeah. movie. Uh, I think it'll be fun. When is the Disaster Artist actually fully releasing though? Is that like like it's releasing at TIFF, but then it's kind of coming. Releasing wide in November. I think it's doing it's yeah it's doing the circuit first right. Oh yeah. Because uh, it just it just came off of when was Sundance? Sundance, Sundance is was, like last December or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it it was coming off of like that. St- it kicked off with that tour and then has been going the festival circuit. So yeah, it's coming in. Is it getting a full wide release even? Oh, it better. Cause just because really it seems so niche, but then like I said, everybody now seems to know what the room is, so maybe it could be. Like a wide release runaway hit, and I think that I don't know what it is with the fact that it's picking up so much more momentum. But the room is just getting, it's it's just there's more momentum all the time over this thing. Oh, it's bigger than ever for sure. Uh, From like a cult hit that movie nerds knew about to something that I mean, you know, everybody's in on now, Mm -hmm. and they do full showings um, at like art house theaters, and they're always packed, they're always sold out. Yeah. Um, yeah, Phil, who normally is here, um, he's mentioned seeing it before in like packed houses oh, in yeah. Toronto, oh, yeah. and says it's like an experience not to be missed. It really is. It's I, I went like a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, the Carlton did a, in Toronto did a, a showing, and they do one like every other week or yeah. like, mm-hmm. once a month it's or something like that. Ev- ev- the last Saturday of every month. I yeah. Okay. And the, it, it gets it's gotten so big that they have more than one sh- midnight showing now. So and weird. they're like completely sold out really really quickly. So surreal. But uh, good for Franco for yeah. literally hitting that trend at its peak. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So go speaking about movies Dis- uh, and movie companies, this is a great creative segue. But <laughs> Disney has started uh, officially announced their streaming service. Yeah, yeah. they're going to uh, – oh, where'd it go? There we go. Uh, aiming for 2019. Mm-hmm. It's going to have 500 films, which I don't even know Disney had. I mean, I guess it makes sense. They've been around for 100 years. Mm-hmm. But 500 seems like a huge number. I wonder if like Song in the South and all their secret racist well, history of movies will be on there. I'm I'm thinking like callbacks to all the the live action movies out of the 80s and the 90s, the big family friendly things. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking though the things that we like they haven't done in a really long time are just going to make that resurgence because they've got a ton in the library in that respect regard. So that's going to be a big. Well, what's that, how, I wonder how that's going to affect their vault. Although I guess they realize that perhaps DVD sales aren't what they went they used to be. So keeping movies on limited release. Well, what would make sense is if they did a, a timed release of certain things. Like you can only see it on stream for this X amount of time, like like Netflix does, right? Yeah. So season pass that stuff. And yeah, I can see tiered that. Purchases that you could see it longer or something that would make the most sense. Um, and aren't they they're doing the whole thing with uh, Marvel as well, right? Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar. I mean, you forget how big Disney is these days. Like yeah. um, the IPs that they own. It's it's unbelievable money printing. Um, and they'll also have 7000 episodes of Disney TV, which, you know, at first I thought it would be all that uh, Hillary Duff type 
Mm-hmm. Crap could be like from Duck Disney Tales. Channel, but then uh, yeah, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, Shark- Goof Troop, like Gargoyles, Gargoyles, oh, yeah. another big one. Yeah, there's lots of actually, and you know what? Even that Aladdin one they had was I liked Aladdin. So did I. I thought it was I mean, pretty it good. good. It, like, looking back at it now, it's like. Well, I haven't watched it since I was, yeah, yeah I guess like, a child. Or yes, it'd be it'd be great to kind of go back and see. Darkwing Duck and Gargoyles hold up. Yeah, Dark- I've heard Dark- Ducktales oh, Dark- yeah. does as well, and I guess I'll have the new one on there. I have seen a bit of that. It looks okay. Yeah, it's fine. It looks like a flash. Flashy. Animation. That's yeah. yeah. I don't like that, man. There is something, and this might be nostalgia speaking, you know, as an '80s baby. Yeah, but yeah. I love that kind of janky hand drawn yeah, early. Do too. Disney had that weird look that is yeah it so uniquely. This is budget, but I like this anyway. Yeah, Goof exactly. Troop, you know that show? Yeah, yeah, Goof Troop will be on there as well. Uh, I'd watch it. The thing is, like, I'd actually definitely pay for that. Yeah. But then again, I can only pay for so many streaming services, so eventually I'll be like, eh, I don't need them all. I think it'll be great for people with kids. This will be yeah. a go-to. I mean, uh, you can only watch so many episodes of Paw Patrol and Mash and the Bear. Oh, we, we know someone so. who works with Paw Patrol. So. Oh, really, eh? Yes. Great show. Wonderful. I don't think they care. Do you listen to podcast? <laughs> we should call uh, them out. No. <laughs> That's okay. Ask anybody with a child like two to five years old, and they will. They Apparently, will tell that you. thing's huge. Oh, Paw Patrol's enormous. Like, um, yeah, I was looking after a two-year-old for most of the winter, and that was a show that we weren't allowed to watch because her mom was just so over it. I don't blame them. It looks awful. I, I wonder if they're, um, like, just going back to the list of things. Uh, is there anything, any mention of some of the like? original classic uh, Disney things from like the 30s and the 40s. It doesn't mention it specifically, but I I reckon 500 films. um, What I'd really like to see, which I guarantee they won't do, is all those weird propaganda videos they did during the war. Like Like, Donald Duck as a Nazi and (laughs) um, very inappropriate uh, animations of Japanese people. You know, like I said, Disney's got this big kind of, I guess it's not hidden, but a past that people like to ignore in favor of its modern image. Well, they have released a collection of uh, cartoons in the past. And Warner Brothers has. I don't think Disney has ever actually. No, I don't think Disney's ever actually wholly owned up to No, that. Warner Brothers did, and they said, like, they put that disclaimer, war- yeah. like, we're keeping this as it is because it's important we remember. It's a historical, it's a historical yeah. thing. Like, don't get us wrong. It's awful, you know, from a modern lens. Because didn't they have, like, what did they have? Like, I remember the uh, Daffy Duck doing weird, like, Nazi things. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is this doesn't hold up well. Yeah. There, there was a lot of, like, slave jokes and, like, blackface jokes and things there like was. that. There was. Warner Brothers particular. had a lot of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same, with, yeah same with Disney. Oh, Disney, I they're mean, both bad. Yeah. But I guess, you know, that's that's part of all, what the era was. All animation so. around that time was pretty bad. Yeah. Also, Disney was known to be racist. So. He was, yeah, he was, he's pretty famous for being kind of a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah. Um, also, along with the Disney app, uh, I forgot that they also own ESPN, so the world's most gigantic company. So they're going to be launching a streaming service separately alongside the Disney one. That will include Major League Baseball, NHL, Pro Tennis. I don't know really how that fits in with the other two. Oh, what is the name of that app? The ESPN app? Yeah. I don't it's know. The Zone? The Zone, yeah. Yes. Is that it? It doesn't say in this article that I'm reading here. Dazone, eh? Dazone. Oh, Dazone. Dazone. Oh, God. Come on. That's like yeah. the 1994 like, trying yeah. to be cool. No, no, hey. No, way. It's D-Z-N-E. Oh, yeah. Dzone. Yeah, Dzone. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a subscription for that. 
Yeah. I have to actually try it. And it's about already that. on a soft lunch here. Yeah, it's, it's Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I didn't know that. Um, I think ESPN is slightly different because I think that's ESPN is Disney's. Yes. Yeah, so this is the is this one only has like football it'll, and because yeah, it, it these are the ones that Disney doesn't have or ESPN, pardon me, doesn't have NBA or NFL. Yeah, yeah. NFL. NFL. Base, yeah. It's baseball and basketball and tennis. This one and, and it's yeah. got a comprehensive soccer um, library. Yeah, it's super weird. Um, All these things that fight with each other. It's so weird. A lot of pool and uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot yeah. of billiards so and zone, bowling. But the ESPN one will be yeah. different. But I don't know. Do we like streaming apps? Do we want more? No, we no, don't. No, I we think don't. we're we're hitting that point where like there was that golden era where everybody was cutting cable because yeah. the getting everything for ten bucks a month seemed great. And now they're just yeah fragmenting. I, even uh, CBS has their own specifically yeah. just for Star Trek. Like yeah. nobody's. No one cares that much. Yeah. If you put it in, everybody pool your stuff together. Everyone take a cut. Yeah. Charge double. Yeah. I don't care, but not fragment. I don't I, want... I, I, that's the thing. Like People wanted to get away from cable so they didn't pay $50, $60 a month for... A bunch of yeah. stuff they didn't want to watch. And now we're getting to that point again where Netflix, you watch Netflix originals and nothing else because the rest is just awful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so Star Trek. Or, and yeah. you get so, HBO. Well, depending f- where you are in the States, I don't think it has all of oh, them. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's really weird. I think they're. I think CBS is moving them all over to their mm-hmm. app. So yeah, I was just going to ask that because I mean we're still getting Star Trek. So how is that? It's different regions. Yeah. Because I think that app isn't launched here yet. So Space Channel has Star Trek. Oh, like Canadian and is rights. Space Channel gonna, yeah. So is that? Is no, that so the, that the new Star Trek's airing on space, like just on regular TV. In the states, it's only on the app. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, does that mean? What does that mean for Canadian companies? Are we are we going to start seeing? We like, have our own app. Turner, no, but, but do we have a chum? Well, we have um, um we have uh, what's that thing called? We Crave. Had, yeah, Crave. we had. And that's owned by Bell. Yeah, but that didn't. And we had Show Me, didn't we? For like a yeah, half Show a Me minute. Died really that was Rogers, yeah. and that died. Which was kind of a shame because it did have some pretty good stuff on. And it had it aired towards the end. Dates, it did so. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it lasted like a few months, and then they're like, "No, this is awful." Let's I think part this. of that was though Rogers was giving it away as a free app, like a free you got free access to it for anybody that uh, had well, a Rogers yeah. account for like a year or something like that. And yeah, but still, that's why would you pay for like it? pay for it when like there is a there is a pretty dominant monopoly when it comes to uh, mm. in a like in at least in and around Ontario when it comes to the cable providers that you have you either go with bell or you go with rogers i mean there are other smaller avenues but they're all still they're they're just subsidiaries of the the big three exactly anytime um like i have foreign friends come over they're they're floored by what we pay for internet and cell phone and cable tv like it's it's madness to them Mm -hmm. and it's all because yeah they have an untouchable monopoly i I don't know how that'll affect or streaming or in regards to Mm, that but i don't know it's interesting Pretty nifty. I'm I'm kind of over streaming apps though, so we'll I am too. I mean, I like one, I want like two of them. Yeah, I got Shutter for the free trial because there was one show I, I wanted Shutter. to watch on it. Well, I we watched the one show and that's all <laughs> I've used it for. Uh, but is there an app? I don't know if there's an. Well, I mean, Shutter's its own streaming yeah, thing. But I don't there know like if an app or PlayStation or anything like that. Uh, no, no, no. We got it with the uh, the TV. Okay, it's the only, Roku, Roku TV. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so we got the seven day trial, and it's cool. It's just like. You know, how much horror are you really going to watch? Right. You know, like I like a scary movie and a scary show, you know, now and then interspersed yeah. with like Archer or something funny. Mm. I'm not going to sit down and just power through <laughs> seven straight days of scary movies. Yeah. 
let alone I, pay for a year. I totally would. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it depends on the type of person you are. Really. I've gone through everything yeah, think, on Netflix. Well, already. you and oh, Phil yeah. and Mel probably would yeah. when it comes to all the horror. You just yeah. have a CGM horror off and try to, like, bravery test for yeah. the three of you. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I'm over streaming apps as well. It's it's getting to the point where it's just cable, but rather than one bill for a bunch of crap you don't want, you're paying six or seven bills for a bunch of crap you don't want. Exactly. So, and, and it's it's just, it's uh, getting harder and harder to find alternate routes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Legal alternate legal routes. Legal alternate routes. We only advise legal. Yeah, no no piracy. That's certainly frowned upon. Of course. Well, there's with so, many, so much content you can get easily and cheaply. There's no reason for it anymore. Yeah. Like, it's actually harder to pirate a movie now than just say, I'll watch it on Amazon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and, like, HBO didn't give two craps when Game of Thrones got pirated because, yeah. like, people are going to watch okay. it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so next up, yeah, we got the some yeah, sorry, Ubisoft go news. Yeah, Ubisoft slash uh, South Park. Yeah. So the new South Park: The Fractured But Whole features various levels of difficulty, from easy to very difficult. What's different though is the difficulty affects the colors of your uh, color of your character's skin. So w- does it become? darker as you get harder the harder the difficulty the darker the skin color of your character and you so it becomes more difficult to progress in the game and you earn more money less money during the process south park stalwart eric cartman will comment don't worry this doesn't affect combat just every (laughs) other aspect of your whole life (laughs) oh that is awful so kind of a yeah what a interesting decision that's an interesting decision, to say the least. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And whether or not um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are trying to make some actual commentary on the plight of African Americans, or as Brendan mentioned, they just kind of want to stir the pot. I think they just want to stir the pot. Like I don't think they're making any commentary. Like they're known for their very mild commentary, but in the end, it doesn't ever matter. Yeah. Um. As uh, one of our writers, Jed Whitaker, brought up today, it's they they like to kind of troll both sides. Yeah. Um. Without actually. They don't ever picking yeah. or committing is a yeah. better word. Yeah. They they'll they'll blast both and be like, oh, we're being satirical and hilarious when really, they're still playing it safe, sort of. Well, I mean, look at Team of America: World Police, or what was the other or, one? They, what about the late? Forget even that. The latest. Uh, the last season, yeah. season, season where yeah. they were doing the uh, nothing happened. Yeah, nothing. Ha- well, n- n- there was no consequence to any of the social justice issues that they brought no. up, like the the bullying mm-hmm. and and uh, the equality, yeah. all, all the issues they were trying to <clears throat> poke fun at and not poke fun at. It was exactly. really um, wishy-washy, maybe. Pardon? Wishy, yeah. Like you said, they're afraid yeah. to commit. Cent- yeah. It seems. I don't, know, I don't think they're centrist. I think they're, no. they're nihilistic. Yeah, they just think it's all kind of bull. Yeah. Both bull, sides bad. are dumb and stupid. So they, and like, yeah. they like watching the world burn. Mm-hmm. So everything just kind of crumbles around them. And um, also in the game, you can pick whether your character is male, female, or other. I think that's good. And you can pick uh, cisgender, I think I'm saying that right? Yes. Or transgender. Oh, neat. So uh, that's kind of cool for them to do that. But again, are they doing it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? I think that might be because they might have liberalistic views, but also be kind of nihilistic at the same time. Mm-hmm. I would say they definitely seem more on the liberal side of things for the most I part. I think they're on the liberal side of things, but they also don't think all the kind of outrage in the outrage culture works for them at all. No. I have not having heard them outside of like any of their actual views outside of what they present in the show. 
Um, have any of you guys heard them talk in interviews? Not, like, not in they, ages. They, yeah, and what, even bo- even back in origin, like in early. Like when they were dropping like, acid and going to the Oscars, yeah, yeah. kind of thing, yeah. or basketball, the basketball era. Um, and I'll be frank, I haven't watched South Park in uh, in quite a while. I don't know. It's not that I stopped liking the show. I do. I just grew less interested in it. Yeah, I think it just became a moment of like uh, too many things they want to tackle, mm-hmm. and not and and again, it's it's that centrist ideal. It's not a. It's it's ta- it's not. Uh, that's the wrong word. I don't want to use attacking, but it's it's more um, tackling to different groups mm-hmm. and, and the way the groups approach it. And it makes it very hard to kind of pick a side with them. Yeah. Or to see what yeah. they're actually trying to insult yeah. or bring light to rather than just making fun of everything. Yeah. But again, I guess I guess that there could be an s- argument for the fact that it is all in the interest of satire. But then when does that line become crossed? It's definitely mm-hmm. all, they definitely do they are satirists. They oh do. yeah absolutely but like again when does it become too blatant to be sad satire? Mm. Also they are like Gen Xers entering the later stages of their life. Yeah. So it's not like they're I don't know, hip to the scene really yeah. anymore and everybody gets a bit more jaded the older they and get. conservative the older that they get. And it, it they are from a generation uh, as we most of us actually we all are kind of yeah um, where it is it was already grim nihilistic ironic mm-hmm. and, and just a, a very poor opinion of the way the state of the world so it's just gonna get grittier from there their opinion uh, their their uh, oh absolutely I mean they, they started out that way I'm pretty sure they're Gen Xers um, because they were in their their 20s probably when uh, South Park premiered, yeah. yeah, and that was '97, I want to say. Yeah. So, so I mean, they're definitely, sure. yeah. yeah, and they have that kind of, well, we don't care, whatever yeah. kind of attitude that Gen X is famous for. That's very true. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they're trying to actually be offensive, but they're trying to make push people to the limit so they are offended. Yeah, yeah. and you know, we uh, we are talking about them. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean. Like how it's also it's and not that's just always been their mo though. Yeah, it's also not just them. Ubisoft had a part to play in this. Exactly. So I mean, I, I, it's hardest. I don't know. It is hard. To, well, you know what? It's hardest for us to say as uh, as we're we're from a all three of us are, yeah. are from an, a, a perspective of privilege to begin with. Yeah, we're all so three middle class white people talking <laughs> about you know the issues that plague African Americans exactly. as it relates to yeah. a South Park video game. Exactly. exactly. So it's not really our place to say. It's also not fair. Like it's yeah. not uh, fair not for our judge. Pardon? It's also not fair for us to say one way or the other. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so for sure. I mean, we don't really have a horse in the now. race and I saying mean, it's... Although, to be, that being said, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are also white Wait. guys. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I, I don't know if it's their place to do this either, but... But then again, you, there's another perspective you can take is that uh, part of privilege is to use that privilege to call attention to... Make yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. That's true. And, and have that... Yeah. You know, use that privilege for the force of good so that other but then you, voices can have that platform. But then other people might say that it's offensive for the fact that they're assuming that everyone of color will suffer. And it's people like the um, NAACP might argue that it's not. Am I, am I right with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm right. I might argue that yes, there's a challenge, but it's their job to overcome it and actually find that their members are not struggling in so much as their race stops them it's just the society that stops them well exactly Mm -hmm. yeah and again tricky issue yes very very tricky tricky issue um 
Having said that, uh, everybody seemed to like the first game. Yeah. Like, from a video game perspective. Yeah, it was fun. It was so, okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a good bit. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good time to take a break and hear from our, our sponsors, Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento. Sounds good. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always $5 short. Lame. Wait, five bucks short, you say? Well, I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of Coupons Pass. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next Comic Bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG, all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next Comic Bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next Comic Bento. A whole $5, eh? Now that's scary. The Pixels and Ink Podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Thank you, Buns Podcast Network and Comic Vento. So, uh, Quinn, you played a great game? Well, you know, I'm feeling kind of bad about it now because I'm starting to look at uh, at other reviews and people are loving it. But yeah, I played Pillars of the Earth, a point-and-click adventure game based on the novel and TV series uh, by Ken Follett. Long novel, too. I think it's two and a half thousand pages um that is massive it's not i'm exaggerating <laughs> but anyway it's about yeah um the story that follows people building a medieval Cathedra- cathedral and over their lifespan and yeah over senseless. i think yeah like several generations yeah, it takes a long time to build a cathedral yeah construction technology just wasn't the same no. uh back in the you know early middle ages it's generations to build something it's a very pretty game and you can definitely see the love uh, with which it was crafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the voice acting's good. Yeah, the the art is phenomenal. The background uh, paintings. Now, did they use any of the show's actors, or just was it all like? Probably should have researched that before we started talking about um, it. Well, is there Ian McShane in it? If so, I don't. I haven't heard Ian McShane yet. Okay. So well, so he I d- plays like a cardinal or a priest. Or oh, okay. So if you saw a priest, wow, what a what a departure from uh, Deadwood. Yeah, no kidding. Totally different. Oh, no, character. He, no, he's still he's still a villain. Oh, he is. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay, good. Because oh, totally I mean, it's hard to make Ian McShane a good guy yeah, after Ed Swearingen. Yeah. Oh, he was in Al. American Gods too. Okay. Oh, he was Odin he's in American Odin, yeah. Gods. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, the game. Uh, I don't know. Why I don't. You tell us about how you came to do the review. Oh, okay. So started. there was a code. <laughs> <laughs> there was an a review up for grabs. Um, on the CG Magazine kind of work chat thing, and I've been waiting for the PlayStation 4 version of Pillars of Eternity because I love CRPGs, big fan of Baldur's Gate, so I leapt on the chance um, only to put the code in to the PlayStation Store and realize that, in fact, I was reviewing an adventure game based on a historical novel about building a cathedral. So I was a little disappointed, but I took the task on because I'm just that kind of guy. And, uh, yeah, I think the very first puzzle in the game was using a pot to crack open some ice so you can boil water. Okay. And it has just been breakneck ever since then. (laughs) 
nonstop action. So what's the storyline? It, it gets it pretty dark, right? Yeah, yeah well, right now I'm investigating um, an apparent suicide, which is probably a murder. Probably. At least um, our, our lead character thinks so, which involves a lot of walking around a really desolate English town and talking to monks and priests. <laughs> and with most of the dialogue options being admonishing them for talking too loud. <laughs> because yeah you're not supposed to do that as a monk um but i'm trying to be the nice guy so i'm not clicking that but every conversation it's uh yeah like you guys got to keep your voices down you're in a church uh you shouldn't be talking so much etc cetera, etc cetera. so <laughs> if you ever amazing. wanted to role play as a very stern catholic monk uh this is totally the monk? game for you yeah uh, uh, you play multiple characters but oh, okay. in the yeah in the first not the the opening you play as uh like kind of the original architect the guy with the idea um, but then you start uh, a bit more in the future as one of the monks. Right, okay. And it, it uh, from what I, I, I played the uh, preview, or I saw, saw the demo of this a, a year or so ago, and it, it, j- it does a time-jumping thing throughout the whole thing, yeah. right? Yeah, just like the book does. Um, and there are some puzzles, and uh, it's just very reminiscent of classic kind of point-and-click adventure games of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. But um, not as much fun as a Full Throttle or a Grim Fandango. Yeah. In my opinion, anyway. Is it pretty? It's very pretty. Yeah. Um, the animations are very stiff, I find, because they are hand-drawn. Okay. It just uh, it's all hand-drawn in the entire game? It looks like it. Okay. I don't quote me on that because I'm not sure how they exactly did it, but mm. it certainly has the aesthetic of, of a hand-drawn, kind of a moving comic. Okay. Yeah, I know they were going for uh, that particular aesthetic as a, a thing. It did take a long time to actually put this one in production. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can yeah. definitely see. Like I, I, I mean, the quality of the, the background paintings are phenomenal. It, it really makes you – it's a very pretty game, for okay. sure. Yeah, and uh, so the, the, the uh, publisher of that uh, is – uh, Dedalic Entertainment, and uh, they're known for their uh, the fact that they they're okay. So point and click adventure games are a big part of European nostalgic culture in gaming. Okay. So they do a lot of games uh, that play into those like uh, European feelings of yesteryear. Right. And so they they've been working really hard to keep the point and click adventure uh, alive. Um, okay. In in the industry, mm-hmm. and it, they're doing, it's doing um, phenomenally well in Europe, from what I understand. My our European uh, listeners can back us up on this one, but um, so so they do a lot of things like that, and and it's it's kind of a, a neat it's a neat thing for a publisher to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of try and keep alive a dead yeah. genre for the sake of. I wonder if American devs are going to do that with shooters in like twenty years. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have like you know? backs, like constant like. Clones of Call of Duty. Yeah, <laughs> but everybody will be like, "Oh, it's so retro!" And it's God, I have such fond memories of well, Call of Duty Black Ops Four. And you know, it's kind of neat. Uh, just kind of calling back to that when uh, Square Enix uh, put together uh, Tokyo RPG Factory, Factory um, with uh, and their first game with I Am Setsuna was l- literally for that express purpose. Of right. Oh yeah, keeping that Golden Age JRPG coming like alive and now they're out with the next game um, and well it did fairly well at least yeah. uh it yeah did. critically yeah i think it was about it was a 78 to 80 mm-hmm. around there there mm-hmm. but um yeah so point and click but point and click adventure is just something that just hasn't kept up in north the north american market yeah. Right. Well, because I feel, and just the way you brought up uh, the throwback to JRPGs, and that uh, North American gaming culture is all about what's new and what's next yeah. and what's pushing the hardware and, you know, bigger, better, faster, shinier. And what can push, and what can push the hardware to its limits. Yeah. Too. So, 
but I mean, people do like the retro games, but it definitely doesn't have the same kind of cultural appeal here that it does mm-hmm. in Europe or Japan. But we all played point and clicks when we oh, were yeah, kids. Oh, yeah, definitely did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there wasn't much you could run on those old computers yeah. back in the day, steam-powered. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about some of our uh, favorite point and click adventure games since we're here. Well, Grim Fandango and Full Throttle, like I mentioned earlier. Full Throttle for me, but I remember, and this was before you could just uh, internet and Google. Yeah, yeah your way to the answers oh god and it took me days to figure i'm not even kidding days between me and my cousin of trying to figure out how to you punch your way out of a dumpster yeah Yeah. at the beginning and we could not for the life of us figure out what the hell we were doing clicking on everything but you have to do it a bunch yeah it goes bang bang bang, boom so we'd click it it would bang okay nothing happens click every other pixel on the screen eventually we got there super fun game really enjoyed it uh, but I'll remember that as, like, one of the most perplexing intros I've ever played to a video game. I remember, I remember getting the demo of that game with a PC Gamer demo uh, disc. Ah, those oh, were awesome. I miss those days. I miss I miss uh, demo discs. And you, like, you, you bought the, the issue just to get that demo disc. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I could have just bought the game. <laughs> like, it got stupid. Did you pay, like, $10 for the issue? <laughs> And the games weren't that expensive at the time. (laughs) So So none of it made any sense. I've never played Full Throttle. What what's that one about? It's a biker Uh, story. Yeah, you're like it's like a semi futuristic tale of like a cartoony Mad Max type character. Okay. Um. Oh God, it's been years though. That's all I I really remember about it. uh, He's. it, it's really weird because there's like a de- land developer. Yeah, there's some like evil corporate yeah. guy that's. But there's also a good corporate guy and his daughter who's like a mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, then she like takes over the company at some point. And there was some road rat or road rate. What's yeah. that game? Road rash? Was that that motorcycle yes. game for Sega yeah. where you beat people with crowbars? Those yeah. Were, that, that sections, those sections were bad. Yeah. You, I don't think you could ever die. You just would fall off the road and then it just. Start the yeah, station. exactly. Yeah, there was no real consequence for that. So you, you just kind of kept, if you hammered your head against it long enough, you just beat those sections. Yeah. yeah. And it basically just was hit, hit, swerve, hit, hit, swerve, hit, hit, swerve. Oh, I won. Mm-hmm. It, it was neat because it was one of the first adventure games with actual action segments. Yeah, it wasn't just solving puzzles no. and progressing to the next stage exactly. with the right item. But it was really well... Like, I know Elias, our reviewer that reviewed the mo- modern version of it, thought the new version took a lot of the heart and soul out of the game. Oh, really? They, kind of, they basically just made everything smushed and like smoothed out all the textures. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier with the Disney thing. There, there's definitely a certain charm to like the, the yeah. stiff and strange animations that were you know limited by the hardware at the time, and smoothing them and modernizing them definitely you know, takes away some of that yeah, charm. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And I, I do like... There's something really interesting in the fact that they hand-did all this pixel art and yeah. hand-did the animation. Even though it is computer-generated graphics, they mm-hmm. still made sure every bit of animation was done by them. Yes. Yeah. And that, that has a, it has a charm to it that flash animation, things like that, just don't Oh, add. yeah, and I know, I mean, I sound like a crusty old man here, but flash animation is so sterile, yeah. I feel. It doesn't have, even when they redo cartoons, yeah. like a lot of uh, like the newer Disney and even some of the new Warner Brothers stuff is... It's missing the jank. Flash-esque. Yeah. It is, you know? <laughs> and, like, that weird kind of loopy movement. Yeah. yeah. Very fluid. Yeah. A little bit too much. But like uh, the old uh, Warner Brothers cartoons have that, where they're just, like, really fluid. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It looks like a cartoon yeah. moving, not just, uh, like, an animated cell yeah. uh, done Mo- by a computer. Exactly. Yeah. And you, you were talking about... when I, I did play Grim Fandango. It was, like, I think... 
Not my first, because I played quite a bit of them. Uh, mm -hmm. back well, then. you are older than I'm us. I'm really old, and I played a lot of PC games on my VGA and <laughs> CGA. What about I Hercules? Just, I, I don't. You know what? I might have been too young to remember that. Oh, I had a Hercules computer. Um, did you really? Yeah. That's you're old. Hercules graphics was the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Grim Fandango actually had a re-release on... Yeah, it did, PS4. Yeah, yeah, PS4 recently. It's great that, like, those games are coming back and the PlayStation Network's giving... They're, they're, they're doing stuff with it. Yeah. yeah. Bringing it back. But, I mean, I love that one. That I, I would quote that for, like, weeks. Me and my sister would just run back and forth just quoting Grim Fandango things. And we sucked at it. We could not it's a, get... I was just really about hard. to say, like, they're... they're uh, God, I don't want to say games now are dumbed down because they're they're different. Yeah, they're different ways. No, no, different no, mechanically, but, like... hard. Because I've gone back to point and click since. All right, dip new ones. All mm -hmm. right, and it's... it's um patterns we didn't see before it was the first time we're ever seeing certain things like exactly how when you said the the punching it multiple times to actually get out of the yeah the, um, yeah the, the dumpster dumpster um it was it was just we've seen we we've seen that at this point so we see that pattern and we mm -hmm. look for it in other point and clicks and yeah, stuff. yeah like grim fandango all those weird combinations that you had to make with certain things yeah mm -hmm. to connect the dots um was Again, like the first time I'd ever seen it, so it was just like I didn't know how to wrap my head around that pot puzzle. And even yeah. even the fact that my sister and I were both playing it, and we both had like a brain trust going on here, we, it was a, a newness that kind of like uh, made it a lot more hard than it actually was. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And you know, we were also children at the yes. time, yes, and, that too. and children are dumb. Children yeah. are dumb. That's yeah. true. Uh, they're, they're less wise. Yeah. Anyway, but it's funny. Yeah, I played uh, Full Throttle, like I said, with my cousin. It was mm -hmm. games like that were like it was a team effort. Yeah. You'd bring around your buddies or, yeah, yeah. you know, your exactly. family members and everybody would try and work together. Whereas now it's first local co-op games. That's really Yeah. Realized, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but I mean, those games had like they were basically interactive movies as close as we could get. Yeah, yeah, they were for they, sure. They had people writing scripts. They had people that and all these people worked really tirelessly to make these games that they mm -hmm. actually had passion for. It wasn't really game by committee at that point. It was about oh no, not at all. I mean, half of those projects they wouldn't get past like the pitch yeah. these days. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like people like Tim Schafer, um, who else? Um, all the people at LucasArts. I, I I used to know all the names, but yeah. they've all slipped my mind. Yeah, like even like uh, games like Maniac Mansion and uh, mm -hmm. those ones, where they were so weird, so, so many different platforms, but. They're still very niche in a way. Oh, yeah. And weird platforms. That was yeah. before in an era where yeah. you couldn't just, yeah, like, release across three things. No. You'd have to have all these bizarre little... Like ZX Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Independently built. Sinclair. Such a weird time. It was a weird time. And then you had, like, IBM compatible. Then you had Mac. Then you had Apple II compatible. It, 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 and then you had Amiga. Yeah, you know, every and every one of these games had different versions and all. Yeah, that's happened. yeah, that's what I mean. They, you and know, it wasn't slightly different. People complain about ports nowadays. No, it like, was like some people like if you were getting the um, Nintendo version, it was often the most gimped version with the least colors. Yeah, if you got the VGA version, that was the one with like the CD audio and two hundred and fifty-six whole colors. Oh yeah, like, whew, big numbers. <laughs> and actual, but they did have, but. Like early '90s, you did start getting the CD audio tracks. You had actual voice yeah. acting. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Full Throttle had full voice acting. Mm -hmm. So did um, Grim Fandango, and so did. Yeah, I think that was the first game I played that actually had full voice acting. Yeah. Like the first one I personally got, mm -hmm. and that that blew my mind. And seeing the graphics the way it w was at the time, 
That's strange. I never even put that together mentally that, you know, all the games that I played as a kid were just 8-bit little chiptoony yeah. sounds. Like, having actual full scripted voice exactly. scenes yeah. would have been huge. Like, my, you know, 8-year-old mind wouldn't have been yeah, able to, exactly. like, oh, whatever, it's a cartoon. That's yeah. where voices. But, uh, yeah, from a tech standpoint, looking back, that's actually pretty impressive. No, I mean, like, they, they could do it because, like, the early 90s when you got the CD. So you had, like, there was mm-hmm. a version with, like, the disc version with no no audio, just kind of like, yeah. But then you had the full audio version that you paid the extra like ten dollars for whatever it was at the time, and you got to experience um, full written dialogue and full actors. I mean, and then some of us who did not have like the highest quality PC yeah. at the time were like, uh, we did play like I I had a few games that did have some sort of sound mm-hmm. or voice acting, but it, because of the sound card I had in my computer at the time, I mm-hmm. couldn't hear any of it. <laughs> it wasn't working. Using PC speaker. Well, it was using the PC. Spe- no, but there was no sound. It couldn't yeah. process the sound. Like, uh, so you guys said you've never played any of the quest games, like Police Quest, I played Space Quest. King's Quest. And you played King's Quest. Yeah. Mm, I have not. You were missing out because those were the text-based point and clicks. Yeah. Right? So you'd have to do the puzzle games that way. Oh, is, it, is that one where you had to, like, type, go left? Go left, yeah. And I if just, you typed it wrong, it's like, no, you died. You fell yeah. out of trap. No, it's not even, sometimes it would just say it didn't. Like, like oh, register it, or it whatever register, you typed. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Try something else. Like, that's, um, that's like Zork. Pardon? That reminds me of Zork. Zork. Zork is the first thing I think of. Like, yeah. uh, you see a white house on the hill. Yeah. Do you walk towards it? And like, like, the, that game is massive. Yeah. Like, the amount of things you can do in that game, even though it's all just text. It's just text. But you could, like, you could say, you could do different storylines than the actually game's yeah. intended by just saying, I set the house on fire. I walk away. I go down the road. <laughs> <laughs> see, now the Quest games, they were step-ups from that because there were actual point-and-click. Yeah. And there were graphics, there were visual graphics, representations. But you still had to do the, the text adventure part to it mm-hmm. as well. Like, uh, and there were fine little Easter eggs to find. Like I was saying earlier that I, I, um, when we were sort of talking. in the shower. When I was, yeah, the singing in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> Getting to that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking a long road to get to that point but yeah no there's there's a part where you can in police quest uh i can't remember which one it is i'm sure one of the listeners will be able to put that in the comments below but um we enter the police station and you can go into the shower room you can take a shower and if you type various things certain things happen like uh sing for example you start singing strangers in the night and we sing that we just do we just go back into that room over and over just to do stuff like that every time we found an easter egg we giggle for days and just do that for like hours there's another fun th- uh, aspect of playing games at that age is yeah. you could find one little thing and enjoy the hell out of it, whereas now you're just like, okay, when's the next part? Yeah. Like, yeah. I want to get to the next level. I want to complete this mission. I want to get this item. I mean, most we are adults, so we have, like, very limited time to play a game. That's yeah. true. That's true. Like, I don't have five hours to waste just trying to get it out of dumpster. Endless summer days uh, <laughs> to spend inside on your mom's work computer as no. she bitches at you to go play <laughs> outside. Yeah, well, outside. Now I, what uh, is this outside thing you speak of? <laughs> now I work in the industry. Mom, jokes on you. <laughs> <laughs> Professionally playing games. But what are, what other are some really good? Dan ones? the Tentacle. Oh yes, which was just released on PSN for free. I think last year. Yeah, which is oh. great. It was good to go back to it because I, I haven't loved played it since game. I was a kid. Yeah, I never played it. I just remember seeing the ads for it. it yeah. The ads were everywhere. Like yeah, every yeah. magazine and like every. Every computer shop had, like, a poster for that. I can picture the big purple thing yeah. with the eye, like, in my yeah. head, and I've never played the game. I remember it just being a really pretty game for the time. And mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember going into Computer City at the time. Like, early computer store. Like, they had, like, 
the CRT monitors and they had like big posters for that game or standees for that game outside mm-hmm. like, the high end laptops. <laughs> <laughs> Even laptops then were like, holy, a yeah. computer you can take with you. Yeah. So when my dad brought home our first laptop, because he was a uh, he taught uh, computer programming and he was a, in, in some some computer engineer at the time in the early eighties. He brought home this work laptop. It was a suitcase, mm-hmm. like a literal suitcase that had a keyboard that folded down. Oh yes, and had a bright red screen, and everything was red. And it was just I, playing games on that was like we had a desktop, but playing games on that was like mm-hmm. the reward for like awesomeness. It if you so did your homework yeah. or you know cleaned up, it was, yeah, it was the greatest thing in the world because it's a portable computer. But I mean, I, I think the adventure game genre kind of spanned far more than just the 80s. Like, it went all the way up. Oh, absolutely. Until, like, even after Doom came out, the adventure game still had a kind of a prominent place. It wasn't till. Oh, yeah. What about, isn't Mist considered that that was game? That was early. That was early 90s. That was early yeah. 90s. I don't no, know. They, they continued with Mist. Yeah, they did. They'd well, Riven. they had Riven, like, which is like. Yeah, that's it, Riven. Riven is hands down one of the most brutally. Unforgiving. Like, as an adult, it's <laughs> hard. And I had to look up, there's a big puzzle at the end where you have to map various numbers to animal sounds that you hear throughout the whole game. Like, what? you're supposed to have been keeping track of this right from the beginning. And so I, I went out and bought a guide and, and beat it that way. And my buddy Derek, completely full of crap, claims that, like, he beat that on his own, that yeah. he figured it out. And he's, like, he's been convinced of this lie for so many years now that, like, he actually believes it. That he actually and it, he's he's. He's full of it. It's it, there's no possible way that uh, <laughs> us at that age could have figured that out. No, that no. puzzle is like. I, I remember Riven when it first came out. It was wasn't it on the cover of Time? It might have been yeah. because Mist at that yeah. point was like the most selling yeah. game in the history of the world. So I remember like looking at like a magazine store and seeing like the next Mist question mark and you just saw like an image of the cover, yeah, like, that sphere, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, the opening. It's like a big kind of a. Um, like oil water tower yeah. kind of looking yeah. globe, and I think that was the cover of Time one. Mm-hmm. Either that, or I imagine this. But I, I oh, I could see that yeah. for sure because yeah. that's when games are finally being taken. Like exactly, if only we had a device that could help us with this problem. Seriously, uh, by yeah. the uh, mainstream media. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's interesting because it wasn't till like the PS one era that the adventure game genre kind of started dying mm-hmm. off. I think, and too, that was like the technology allowed people to explore other genres, yeah, exactly. like adventure games ge- and was, shooters. It was and a genre that really worked. For limited hardware, yeah, it was in Wired. On Wired, it was, on to- it was the cover of Wired. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was a cover of a magazine I saw at the store. And PC Gamer oh. or PC Game Review. Oh, PC Game Review. That I don't even know what that is. But yeah, yeah, I got Riven for Christmas. I think the year it came out, my parents were like, "Oh, this is a game you have to use your brain for." I'm like, <laughs> "No, I want to. I want to kill Nazis and demons. Why are you making oh, that's right. me Doom and uh, yeah, Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein? Like those were the fun games at the time." It was Doom. Wolfenstein was first, then it was Doom, right? I'm still unclear on that. I know Doom was... D- no, Wolfenstein was first and then Doom. Okay, because Doom is definitely fact. more, like, advanced. Yeah, because I wasn't great at Wolfenstein, but by the time Doom came around, I was able to clear that, like, mm-hmm. business. Yeah. Like, I, I believe Doom was... The, it wasn't that many years after. It was, like, a year or so after. Oh, yeah, it had it to be, like, pretty close to each other. And they're very similar technology, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, Wolfenstein has less sound effects and a few other I- a few of the limitations. My favorite, well, not my favorite. I thoroughly enjoyed um, the New Order, the last Wolfenstein yeah, game yeah, that New came Order. out. Yeah, 
but uh, the dream levels where you could play the original game. Oh, that's yeah. so weird. Like, but yeah, but I spent like I was so excited finding that because yeah, Wolfenstein was it's very very clear in my mind as like one of the first big games yeah. where I was like, oh, I love this. Yeah, you know, like me and my cousin taking turns on my aunt's computer to play it. And, uh, Does it hold up? Like I haven't gone ever. Gone I don't back. know if it holds up. It's just it's amazing, like map memory, how it yeah. sticks in your head. Like I haven't played that game in twenty five years, probably. Here's and the thing: Doom actually still holds up. Like you can go back in Doom and play it, yeah. enjoy it. I wasn't sure if Wolfenstein does. I don't. I don't know. It's very bland. It's just kind of blue levels and blue yeah, doors. with the with the gray yeah. kind of bricks. It it looks. It reminds me of. Do you remember the screensaver? Yeah. The Windows screensaver yeah. of the maze. That's what Wolfenstein is to me. But I mean, like Doom, Quake. Unreal, yeah. all those games you can go back to and say, "Oh, this is this is a game. This, I I can enjoy this." Yeah, but like, but I think at that point it's because we were slightly older and, and the it, it sticks a little bit better has has a little bit more f- maybe fresher. Mm. I don't. Know. I think I I mean I agree with Brendan saying like the Doom is definitely an evolution on yeah. a lot of levels of what Wolfenstein started. Wolfenstein oh, is it's just like I have real rose tinted lenses when yeah. it comes to that game specifically. Yeah. I mean I, I think it was a very landmark title mm-hmm. in what that genre was. But Doom really like it, Doom did something and it had level design it at scale. It yeah. Had, like different levels, uh, different um, verticalities. They did things that made it so it didn't feel tired. Like, that's opening yeah. to Doom 2 is still iconic. Oh, Doom 2 is still, yeah, like you said, very playable yeah. today, for sure. I mean, Doom 2 is just basically a reskin of Doom 1 with a few extra monsters. There's, there's very nothing new in that game. Oh, really, eh? Yeah. They added a shotgun. They added a few different weapons. Is that where the double barrel yeah, was Doom 2? That's probably why in my head I'm thinking it was, like, yeah. so much better. But I don't <laughs> think the engine changed at all. I think it was no. the exact same engine. Well, they couldn't have had that much of a leap in uh, technology. Yeah, it was only two years later, I believe. Mm-hmm. Quake really took things to yeah, the next Quake level was too. Because uh, they built their, uh, they built a new engine for that. Yeah, right? Quake yeah. is the Quake engine. Yeah. Doom is build engine. Mm-hmm. And Doom, like they did the Rise of the Triad and all those other games around that same time period. But it's neat to see that that's kind of where. Adventure games. You had adventure games, then Doom hit, and then they kind of faded. That out. was yeah. yeah. That's, that's they the definitely end. like crossed paths yeah. at that point, and one was on the downslope, and the other was on the, what turned out to be an insane like upswing. Yeah, like industry changing upswing. But I mean, even then, a lot of the, oh sorry, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say even then, you still had some iconic because. Uh, Full Throttle came out, I believe, very close to when Doom came out. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, Mist and Riven yeah. were after those games. Well, Riven especially. Yeah, Riven was after. Um, yeah. Like, Dave, uh, like Grim Fandango, I think, was just around. I may have been even after. That might have been, like, 97. Yeah. Grim Fandango was, like, mid. Yeah. Where, yeah. Oh, you can go ahead. Uh, checking the dates. Yeah, Grim Fandango. But I believe, like. Well, here's the thing. While we're checking dates, I was going to say that, like, the thing about the 98. Oh, really? End oh. of 98. So, that was, so that was before, that was after Riven. Oh, way after. Yeah. Riven was 97. Okay. So, um, the thing was, it was the adventure games, the point and clicks, that were the ones that really moved a lot of the yeah. graphics forward because they, they could. They yeah. They could have those screens well, even that you could actually spend time developing. And yeah. so, everyone gravitated towards that because that was where we could get our cool imagery. Well, Mist especially was yeah. like, it was photorealistic yeah. at the time when everything else was cartoons yeah. or pixels. Yeah, exactly. But even then, you had like, um, the last Monkey Island game came out pretty late. Mm-hmm. The Monkey Island 4? I think that five? was the late 90s yeah. and early 2000s. So, I mean, like, you had adventure games going up to that point, just you didn't have, they weren't the dominant force. They weren't, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, the dom- they, early 
uh, early '90s to like mid '90s was the their heyday. Yeah. Late '80s was late kind of, '80s yeah. is yeah. But they weren't as strong then. It wasn't until like the '90s when that's when they were ubiquitous. You yeah, and they hit their before. apex of quality and production values. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, 2010. For what? Monkey Island Four. No, not that's that's oh, that's the one from. Um, that's Tales from Monkey Island. That's Telltale. So yeah. that's not that one. You're right. I'm trying to look this up. Exciting. Yeah. Riveting radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what? Yeah, so it, it, was, it was an important part of our childhood, so I guess. Uh, adventure games are really important, and I think going back to them and actually seeing 2000. How, like, 2000, really? 2000. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, they went a long way. That's kind of how I'm feeling about the RTS genre these days. Like, Command and Conquer and Warcraft. Warcraft 2, I'll be honest. I didn't play Warcraft 1 much, but Warcraft I actually, 2 was I like, saved my money to buy Warcraft 1. Really, oh, eh? Yeah. No way. I did that for Sierra games and ID games because I was really into Command and Keen at the time. But yeah. but that's another genre that like you don't see anything anymore, yeah, really. Yeah, like the like, side-scrolling adventure game. Or, like, no, it was, no, like, it was a top-down two-platformer Command and Keen. Okay. So the original ones, it was a top-down map. Um, it was, And then you'd enter worlds to do a platformers, a platforming adventure. Okay. Uh, and um, each world was total. each area was totally different in it, and there were secrets to get to the whole thing. And this was PC? It was PC. PC game, yeah. yeah it's come out, actually, Steam re-released that, I want to say three years ago. Okay. I think. So okay. you could actually get all the Commander Keens. And then they those, again, did the same thing with the graphics. They improved as okay. time went on. Yeah, they so did, yeah. So they did, like, a whole separate series. But I, I feel that platformers are a thing that we could take an entire podcast yeah. on. Oh, absolutely. Why don't absolutely. we make this a thing, guys? We can do our best yeah, genres of, yeah, be of, our, that. of their hair. Yeah, I mean, and we're, we kind of have our feet in both worlds as far as eras go. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, yeah. we all grew up with video games mm-hmm. when they were... We were we were there at the end of the very beginning, and yeah, then absolutely, yeah, and we're yeah currently still immersed in it, so it's a good way to, to draw comparisons agree, where yeah. you can look back and look forward. All right, well, yeah. should we wrap up there then? Yeah, so yeah, sounds good. Can look forward to that one, and uh, cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and if you like what you hear or you want to know more about the things we talked about, such as uh, what TIFF movies to go see, there, yep. Phil has an article about that. He also has a review on it. We didn't talk about that because that's Phil's. Yeah, thing to I, talk I don't about. want until I see it. I can't even judge. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But visit us at cgmagonline.com to check out some of those things, uh, as well as our Twitter. We're tweeting that stuff out all the time. You can follow us at cgmagonline. Uh, I know Quinn still no Twitter. No Twitter. Uh, I have Twitter at least awesome. I never tweet. Uh, Brendan. B five twenty six. B five twenty six, and. You can also follow us on Facebook at CG Magazine and our Instagram at cgmagonline.com. And thanks again to Bun's Podcast Network and Comic Bento for sponsoring our podcast. From everyone here at CG Magazine, have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. Thank you.